Hello and welcome into Big Talk, college sports with a Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood. I'm Dalton Shetler alongside Tony Hollinsworth, Sam Sprunger. And uh, what the, the folks that are listening don't know, it's been a bit of a rocky start. We have some technical <laughs> issues. As you'll notice, uh, Sam Sprunger's audio quality is a little different because he's on the phone. Uh, but hey, the good news is we finally have liftoff on this episode because there were some <laughs> questions just a little bit ago. It literally was one of those that it was like, well, maybe just this week is not the week. And it's like, well, no, we're doing this. It's It's been too long. We're doing this. I know. It's been so long since all three of us. And it's like, mm, not today. Not today. I guess, my not computer today. Just, I guess my computer just decided, you know what? I don't know. I don't understand this. We're going to have to figure this one out. And uh, yeah, that, that's why we're sitting where we're at. Even your computer well, said, a, you're uh, still doing this? Yeah, <laughs> Well, on a more beat note, uh, 4th of July holiday uh, weekend has come and gone, and we're kind of moving forward, but everybody have a good 4th? Yeah, I I came back from Canada just in time for the 4th, so like, yeah, it's uh, I went out of the country just to get, I guess, a new appreciation, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. I I still have all seven fingers and all six toes. Seven fingers, six toes, that boy. That's them all. You learned from previous words. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For this edition of Big Talk, uh, we're going to be getting into a couple of different things. Um, one being we're going to be talking a little bit about sports media and uh, how the Pac-12 TV agreement or lack thereof may end up maybe being a catalyst or a bit of a pioneer for future um, TV contracts for other conferences. We'll get into some of what we're talking about there a little bit later on, but also fellas, we have not broken down the NBA draft in the big 10 influence in that yet after uh, that draft picks in the NBA, am I buffered? You guys hear me still? There we go. Now you're back. Okay. We big, and has eight Big Ten has eight draft picks in the NBA draft this year. We want to talk a little bit about those. Uh, five in the first round, three in the second round. I'll get to recapping, but before we we run through the list, is there any observations that stood out to either of you that really kind of popped off the page to you before we run through? Uh, for me, it was Trace Jackson, Jackson Davis going so late. It, uh, it was kind of a surprise to me that he was so late in the draft. Um, it makes you wonder uh, why why the uh, the teams, you know, waited until when they did. And then, you know, he gets picked and then traded. So, like, he gets to go to a team that could do some pretty good things, you know, but you're not just not sure uh, what it was that people or people didn't see or didn't want or didn't want to take the chance on. Yeah, between him Sorry. and to me, to me too, Chris Murray going to Portland, getting a pair up with Scoot Henderson, because that that to me is probably one of the most interesting. The fact that Portland has been one of these, they've rode Damian Lillard so hard for so many years, and now they're getting these this potentially a very young, dynamic duo to have for a very, very long time. So it'll be it'll be exciting to see Chris Murray basically be able to be a star on this team basically with with one other guy so that that one i thought was pretty interesting too that chris murray and i believe he went late as well but he was one of portland's like first two picks 
Yeah, he was a late first round draft pick. Matter of fact, why don't we we take a moment and we'll recap the Big Ten in the NBA draft. Um, with the 11th pick, the Magic took Jet Howard out of Michigan. Uh, with the 15th pick, the Hawks drafted Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan. So the Wolverines get two top 15 picks in this year's NBA draft, which is pretty incredible. Uh, the 17th pick, the Lakers drafted Jalen Hood Shafino out of Indiana. Uh, this might be one of my favorite picks uh, so far out of the Big Ten because I, I just think, especially we saw on the trip to West Lafayette earlier this year, Jalen Hood Shafino just is able to create. I mean, the, the performance he put together against Purdue at Mackey Arena is what we're talking about here, Sam. Uh, it showed to me a, a high level of skill that, that translates to the NBA because he's able to make create any kind of shot anytime down the floor. He's got a great mid-range game. I think that's going to be a big, big plus in the NBA. And I guess that's why it confuses me even more as to Trace Jackson Davis, because while he didn't succeed necessarily against Purdue, he did so much against everybody else, you know, and for, for multiple years, it wasn't just like, you know, one year. Shafino only played college basketball for one year. So like that, I guess that's what surprises me about Trace Jackson Davis, and and you know I don't know if he's missized for his position or what, but that's uh, Shafino. I, I I assumed he'd be a top ten pick. That's kind of what I was thinking that he would be, or in the in the lottery at very least, you know. And and I thought you know eh, Davis would probably be a late first round or mid first round, and it just didn't happen. Um, if we take a look at the other two first-round picks, Chris Murray, as Tony mentioned, was drafted mm -hmm. by Portland at number 23. Uh, Chris Murray out of Iowa. Of course, his brother just had a phenomenal rookie season with Sacramento uh, just earlier this year. Uh, and then at number 28, the final first-round pick for the Big Ten, Bryce Sensabaugh from Ohio State was drafted by the Utah Jazz. So there's your five first-round draft picks for the Big Ten. Uh, for the second round, Jalen Pickett out of Penn State was drafted 32nd by the Indiana Pacers and Good moving pick. down. Yeah, I, I like that as well. And, and we can get into that because I, I do also want to mention that the 46th pick was Seth Lundy from Penn State. And this marks the first time ever in Penn State men's basketball history that they've had two Nittany Lions selected in the same draft. So a huge, huge moment for the Penn State basketball program as Lundy goes to Atlanta at 46. And then finally, we've been talking a little bit about it that uh, maybe this is a bit of the surprise. The Wizards drafted Trace Jackson Davis at number 57 out of Indiana, and then he was traded to Golden State from there. So I think there's a couple of different avenues we can go down here as we break this down. But I want to start with my thoughts on the Trace Jackson Davis bit as well because I think a lot of times – it matters where you land. Mm -hmm. And for Trace Jackson Davis to land at Golden State through the, the trade, I, I mean, as you said, Sam, you wonder if maybe he's just missized for that position. You think about NBA bigs now. NBA bigs are tall, they're long, and they can shoot from the outside. Trace Jackson Davis isn't the tallest. He doesn't have a proven outside jumper that we've seen on display in games uh, throughout years. But... If I had to point to one big in the NBA that maybe is a little bit smaller for the position, you could maybe say at least height-wise, maybe doesn't have the greatest outside shot that, that isn't playing it necessarily the same way everybody else is, 
it's Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. And now Trace Jackson Davis gets to learn from the cloth that that Draymond Green has has sort of uh, created through the years, where Draymond, of course, is the defensive engine of that Warriors team. He's the, the leader of the team. He's the heartbeat of the team. And he puts things into motion offensively, even without scoring the ball. We've seen Trace Jackson Davis's passing ability in the Big Ten. We've, we've been wowed by it for years. Besides just his ability to score near the rim, uh, we, we've seen his length on display. He's a good rim protector. I believe Trace Jackson Davis can kind of learn at the hip of Draymond Green. And as Draymond gets older and older and older, Draymond's what? Uh, I should have looked this up 30, first, but he's got to be 33. about 33? 33? 33, okay. I mean, maybe Trace Jackson Davis could be that next guy kind of following there and you remember draymond was a second round pick himself like there's a lot of similarities i see here and i even thought for for a quick second and then they re-signed him i thought maybe they traded for davis to replace yep green because i thought because he went free agent and i thought Mm -hmm. excuse me it would be financially it would save him a ton of money and I mm-hmm. thought maybe, you know, like you were saying, he's kind of kind of fits that that mold of what they they've used Draymond for. Um, I don't know that he's going to be the firework of all the technical fouls, you know, and they're going <laughs> to say, you know, but but I think you're right. Maybe they re- they resigned Draymond Green to make sure that he gets Davis in place for uh, Curry's end of his career running, you know, and maybe he's that extra one at the end. And, and I think it should be important to note here, too, before we, we get you to jump in, Tony, is uh, Steve Kerr's been on the record saying that they can't replace Draymond. They can't do the championship runs right. without Draymond. And large part, besides just the defense and igniting some of the different offensive sets and so on and so forth, is the voice he has in the locker room, his right. leadership. Yep. Now, I, I don't know that that's necessarily something that, I mean, you can just pass down to somebody to lead the way Draymond does because Draymond right. does it kind of the Izzo way. Like, it's yep. it's a unique way. It's it's a very hard, aggressive way. Um, but I think from a skill standpoint, Trace Jackson Davis really could kind of follow that path. And maybe, maybe, I, and because, look, I'm not saying that Trace Jackson Davis isn't a leader. I don't want this to get twisted or misinterpreted no, no, in any yeah. way. But doing it the Draymond way is a very different way. But maybe at least seeing the way Draymond leads people, Trace Jackson Davis would be able to learn from that besides just the basketball skills. And maybe the Warriors find a a pretty big piece here for the future. Yeah. And don't, don't get it twisted either. You know, as much as people don't like Draymond, Draymond is one of those, I would consider him a great kind of support player. Like he does all the intangibles that you, you need in a basketball team that like Dalton mentioned, you know, you can't really teach. You just have to kind of see and potentially try to, you know, copy and follow. He's and the Horace Grant. Right. And I think <laughs> that's what Tom Izzo does better than anything. You know, everybody talks about how all, you know, Mike Krzyzewski did with Duke and creating all these superstars. Tom Izzo creates superstars in a different way through the Tom Izzo way of they are great. You know, they are great teammates in the fact of they will overall make the team better and not try to just do it individually. Now, much to Sam's point, I thought when they drafted uh, Trace Jackson Davis, I was like, okay, they have a they have a bigger guy than Draymond Green because, you know, you guys were kind of talking about him being undersized. At least ESPN has him at 6'9", 245. And Dame is, or Dame Draymond is six <laughs> six and he's two thirty, so I mean he is bigger than mm-hmm. Draymond. 
in that in that aspect but no i definitely thought okay this is a guy that like you said he landed in probably one of the best spots that you could he'll have clay he has steph now he has chris paul three great veteran guys for him to learn from and basically build the core team around i thought it was a great place for him to land and honestly looking at where all these guys landed as far as the overall teams he to me landed in the absolute best spot with probably the best team for who he got drafted and where he got drafted to in my opinion and if you look at the warriors now have the best of both worlds if that was their thought about davis is now they've got green until Mm -hmm. basically the end of his career i mean uh, of let's say it this way the end of his career that matters so he's going to be like 37 37. by the time this contract's over he might have a couple of years left but they're not going to be at the the high production that he's been able not not everybody's lebron where they're doing it correct (laughs) correct yeah and so like you know and now they get four years of of uh green being able to kind of guide davis and you know davis is going to be able to do it in his own way but yet he's Mm going to have that base of how it's been run for so long and if he fits in well with steph and and with uh uh, clay it's gonna it's gonna be just fine for the warriors yeah i think that's uh it's a pretty big play by mm-hmm. Golden State, they always seem to do pretty well around the draft time. And and again, I mean, they're one of the the just about the only superstar team that drafted its team instead of going the free agency route. And I mean, it looks like they might be making some nice future plays here down the road as well. Um, a couple of those Penn State players we mentioned: Jalen Pickett and Seth Lundy being drafted. Uh, Sam's face lit up when we talked about Jalen Pickett going early in the second round. Yeah, I loved watching yes. him play in the Big Ten all year long. But what what really stood out to you there that that kind of dropped your jaw? Well, it, it, the fact that he went into the second round kind of surprised me. That was the first thing. But if if I've got an NBA team, it's the Pacers. So like, I got really excited because I know what I've. We've watched Jalen Pickett all year, you know, and talked about how, how, you know, what kind of player he could take over a game. I don't think it's not going to happen in the NBA. I think there's going to be games that all of a sudden he just blows up for 45 points and it's going to, he's going to take the team. And that team is such, you know, is just ready. Hal Burton's there, you know, he just got the super max or whatever. And, you know, they've got pieces that are ready to do things. And when Halberton wasn't hurt, the Pacers were like the fifth best team in the East. Mm-hmm. And then he got hurt and they fell off to like 10th or 11th and didn't, or, you know, 12th or whatever, and didn't make the playoffs. So I think they've got a lot in place and you put those pieces, it's kind of almost like a, a Trace Jackson Davis piece, uh, you know, that you just need a, another piece maybe to add into it. And it's going to make that team even kind of scarier at times. So I love the pick by the Pacers putting him in on that roster. I absolutely love it. Well, well, Sam, I say I so I was I was looking it up and I was looking at at Jalen Pickett. So I didn't know this because I this is the first time I'm seeing it. Apparently, he was selected by the Pacers, but he did not sign with the Pacers. He actually he got traded to the Denver Nuggets. Oh, geez. I'm glad you said that. You just ruined my day. 
I'm sorry, Sam. Hey, I didn't. Your computer ruined your day. Yeah, well, yeah. My computer started my my crappy day, and you just made it worse. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Well, yeah, well, let's 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 send a transcendent potentially transcendent player to the you know the champions. Yeah, say you know the Pacers do that all the time. It's like the more and more I look into you know NBA guys that have been drafted, like Kawhi was originally Kawhi drafted yeah. by the Pacers. I'm like, wait, the Pacers can draft great players, but they just never wear the uniform for him is <laughs> get traded to go somewhere else well and the, well, the thing about jalen pickett rewind that... and knock that out for the pacers <laughs> um he's gonna be a good player for the nuggets then yes, well and, and i think what's fascinating about pickett and the evolution to the nba level is we saw him just play so much bully ball in the big mm-hmm. ten or as brad underwood called it what did he call it booty ball yes i, yes, I think it was ball. the quote for brad underwood where he, he just the... He just would back down a guard yep. because he was too tall as a guard. He would back somebody down to the block and then play from there. You send a double, he's going to pass, find the weakness, and, and get an assist. If you just say one-on-one, he's going to score in the low post as a guard. So I, I think it will be interesting because I don't think you can play that way in the NBA. But I believe he's got way more in his closet to, to use and utilize. Um, so I just think it's going to look different which is is fine. I think he's fully capable of uh, playing in different styles, but what we got accustomed to seeing with Jalen Pickett, just backing guys down and playing from there, I don't believe that's how it's going to work in the NBA. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see that next step of his game. And then Seth Lundy getting drafted. We talked about the first time that Penn State's had two Nittany Lions selected in the same draft. A, a knockdown shooter, that whole Penn State squad was knockdown shooters, but a knockdown shooter going in the second round, I'm interested to see how that pans out as well. Yeah, especially now that he's pay, he's paired with Trey Young in in Atlanta. Now it it does kind of worry me because that makes him a little bit smaller in like the forward position as far as shooting because you know Trey's only like six one, Seth is I think six six if I remember correctly. But I mean, it does give Atlanta a really interesting offense. To your point, Dalton, you know he's a great shooter. Trey is a great shooter. So what can he pick up from Trey Young and vice versa mm-hmm. for that Atlanta Hawks team? Because they've been one of those, you know, at least for the NBA perspective, they've been really close. They, you know, they made a couple, you know, pretty unique runs for being who they are and what they have. So yeah, for him to go there, and again for these Penn State guys, I think they end up in great situations because again, it's. It's not one of those on their own. They are great individuals and they're great stars, but they're not one of those, you know, transcending, you know, super, super stars that we've been used to seeing from a couple other guys. So for them to go to these teams and be able to be a part of a talented team and add their own individuality to it, I think they're I think they're going to be set up really well for that. I agree. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say another word because maybe he'll get traded in the time I talk. So he well, wasn't we, drafted we, by the Pacers, Sam. He's okay. Oh, <laughs> he's safe. <laughs> well, since we're talking about great shooters, we haven't really talked about the the first Big Ten prospect that went off the board, Jet Howard, uh, drafted by the Orlando Magic at number 11. This is somebody who really excels at the catch and shoot, but uh, he showed many other facets of his game. But uh, I, I think. This is going to be one to watch. And then Kobe Bufkin, as we mentioned, at 15, the other Wolverine to be drafted in this one, also going to Atlanta, a quick, explosive guard, uh, not the biggest body. I think that's one of the concerns when you look at Kobe Bufkin, but it's also a move maybe to look a couple years down the road where he adds a little bit more weight, adds a little bit more to his frame, but he certainly shows the the quickness, the ability to hit mid-range shots, to, to hit a, a 
variety of others, but he, he shows the creativity with his offensive game. And I think he's quick enough defensively where he's going to be able to, to maybe make some things happen, getting in passing lanes, so on and so forth. Again, I think just the concern with Bufkin is just getting some weight on, which I mean, that's kind of normal when you're drafting, what, 19-year-old guys, which I think he is. I mean, he had his sophomore season at Michigan just this past year, but he was young as right, a sophomore. Right. He was one of the younger ones. So, I, I mean, I, I think that's one of the natural things you deal with as an NBA team when you draft somebody so young. Um, so that's that's not really a red flag by any means. I tell you, putting Howard with uh, Bancaro, I think that's going to be a nice one-two punch from uh, you know down on, down on the post for them because you know they're the, uh, Howard's a, a really good player. You said you know like you said he's a, he he can catch and shoot. That's effective. Bancaro is the reigning rookie of the year. You know we all know what he can do. So I mean it's one of those that I think Orlando is in a pretty decent position. I don't know that they're going to you know, all of a sudden be in the playoffs, but they've got some good pieces that can they can start building off of. Yeah. Now, a quick question to you guys. What does this say about Juwan Howard as a head coach? Because, I mean, you think about it. Obviously, Michigan has the talent, like, you know, especially from an NBA prospect. They're like, hey, we're going to take these guys and we expect these guys to be basically day one starters out of Michigan. But what does that mean for him that he couldn't put it together to at least make a couple of decent runs with the players that he has? I've already said this year's a make or break year for him. Uh, you know, especially after losing all the pieces that he did, losing Dickinson, yeah. uh, losing Love after that he committed and then had to leave and go to Arizona. Mm -hmm. I think uh, with what he's got, uh, you know, whether it's a bearish cupboard or not, uh, this is a make or break season for him. I think because of that that lack of ability to take uh, those highly touted teams to any further than just like, you know, the, the, the sweet 16. I, I mean, <clears throat> people could say the same thing for Matt Painter. I wouldn't be shocked if there's some rumblings, if Purdue doesn't do what they should coming this year, if they start, you know, more people start saying, well, we need to fire Matt Painter, kind of the same thing. Um, so I think these are two two co those are two coaches that this year they have a uh, a pretty important season that they need to do something with. Uh, I just think my painters might be in a little bit better position to do more, maybe. Oh, I, I would certainly would agree with that. But I think it's interesting too to Tony's point because you look at the the roster that there was last year. Then you have Hunter Dickinson, who's an All American level performer. You had Kobe Bufkin and Jet Howard both drafted in the top 15. Like that's that's a lot of talent to not make the NCAA tournament. And I, I think because I, I mean Tony posed the question as what does it say about Juwan? There was a really interesting piece. Um, I, I don't even call it a piece, he called a thread, I suppose. Miller Cop, uh, Indiana basketball player and previously was at Northwestern, just recently yeah. graduated and finished. He had tweeted out, um, and I'll, I'll just read the tweet because I found this fascinating. He says, before every Big Ten game, I ask the assistant coach one simple question. What are the three most important things to do for us to win this game? And so he gives three things for every Big Ten team based on his perspective. And then he added a funny one just because. So I, I'll read Michigan's, what he wrote for Michigan. One, make Jet shoot tough jumpers. Two, push Dickinson's catches out. Three, play with extreme pace and transition. And four, the funny one, memorize their three favorite plays and you'll be good. Like, <laughs> I mean, what that what that says to me is 
it was very elementary, the, the guide to be able to break down what Michigan's doing. So I found that to be fascinating and really telling kind of from inside the locker room of opponents of how they viewed and handled Michigan th- throughout this last year. Well, and I also think that you've got to look at the fact that he, you know, John Howard's had issues with holding his temper too. Yeah. Like not just getting mad on the sidelines, like physically going after coaches, like in multiple years. It's not even like, you know, he had one isolated incident. He's done it multiple times. So, and, and I think that goes a long way too. You can only have so much patience of tolerating that and then not having results you know like he, he's so it, it, it's tough because you could see that he's probably pretty darn knowledgeable mm-hmm. it's just a matter of whether or not he can it will translate into his players and right now he's kind of uh kind of not getting that well i i think you know what matter of fact since we bring up the miller cop uh thread i enjoyed this so much why don't we stay here for a moment? Let's go through a couple of these other teams because Miller did such a great job. And I, I think it really was insightful. So let's go to Purdue because that's Sam's favorite team. He said, one, pressure the crap out of their guards and wings. Mm-hmm. True. Two, make Edie catch the ball as far from the rim as possible. Easier said than done. Correct. Well, and especially because I, I remember I was watching a game with a couple of coaches this past year. And we were watching Purdue on TV when we were on the road. And I remember we're watching Edie post up. And he was getting pushed, pushed, pushed up the lane, up to about the elbow. He caught the ball, and he still was able to essentially drop step. Yep. Like, it wasn't a back down. He just drop stepped. And because he's so big, his legs were able to get him to the rim from near the elbow. Like it's it, it goes to show you why it's so hard to guard. It you know I, I had a conversation years ago with Paul Davis, who was a great Michigan State center. He was part of the 05 Final Four team, and we were talking about his NBA playing days. And we were asking him who's the hardest to guard, and I said it had to be Shaq, right? Like it's it's got to be Shaq because Shaq was so dominant and so big. And he goes, you know, everybody thinks that, and he says the toughest person for me to ever go against was Yao Ming because he oh, has a so long- whole foot on you like there's not much you can do and i see a lot of those similarities with zach Eady and what he presents in the big 10 um so those were two of them number three he miller cop says make Edie leave the paint on defense just try and get him away from yeah. the rim yeah. so that way you can score in the interior and four he said call out their football plays on the board like you know what they mean so that's <laughs> That was Miller Cop's strategy. Uh, well, and, and some of the Indiana assistant coaches' strategy to beating Purdue. But I, I feel like there's a lot of truth in that. I thought that was really, really insightful. Yeah, yeah. And and the, it's it's kind of it's it's kind of telling at what kind of player Zach Eady is when two of the three things to beat Purdue correlate to him. And you know? and again, I would say almost by extension, the first one. Yeah. If you if you pressure the guards, that means they turn it over, or you're they trying to get, get them it to turn him. it over before yeah. they can get it to Edie. Right. Like the whole game plan is just how do you get Edie out of the way? Right, like, that's it. Well, and they've gonna they're gonna have to deal with it one more year, and they're gonna have to deal with another seven footer that's there. That's totally a different type of seven footer. <laughs> yeah, gotta yeah. love so, it. Watch out for Purdue. 
just trees all over. It's like a forest. Um, let's and do Michigan fast State. little guards running in between them all. You're right. Yep. Um, let's do Michigan State because we have an interest on the show in Michigan State as well. Uh, first, let me give you a guess what the first one is. Uh, get Tom Izzo yelling. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Tony, uh, I say that would probably be my first one. Just just pissed Tom Izzo off. <laughs> the first is box out. Oh, says, they send four to the glass yep. the whole game in all caps. Uh, second is build a wall in transition. Um, he and Miller says even though they used to play with more pace than they do now. Uh, three is hit them first. And yeah. for the fun one for Miller is don't play them at the Breslin Center. So. Yeah. Yes. I agree with that one. Yeah. I actually agree with a, a gentleman from IU. <laughs> but I thought that was uh, that was just tremendous. Uh, if, if we take just a couple more minutes, uh, what other programs are you interested in in hearing the the scouting reports on? What about Maryland? Because, you know, that's a different animal when it comes to, you know, when they're at home. It's got to be don't play them in Washington or in Maryland, right? Come on. Well, the the ones that Miller laid out, one, guard the ball one-on-one. Can't get beat one-on-one. Two, rebound the ball. Three was take care of the ball on offense. And four, the funny one, says learn how to guard their one go-to play. It's called Utah. <laughs> but you know what they're darn successful with that utah play absolutely <laughs> don't don't try to fix if it's not broken that's right and if it works <laughs> just keep using it that's right but yeah, i i th- i thought that was a really good look though at what the big 10 basketball programs are doing especially this last year and uh i i if you haven't checked it all out yet because he does it for all 14 teams check out the miller cops thread on twitter because wouldn't, it's great stuff be- wouldn't it be 13 teams he was part, he was part of IU? But he still did one for IU. Oh, you he hear did? Well, well, yes, he let's did. hear IU's. Um, and I'm not sure if he did this as when he was at Northwestern, because you remember that right. he went against Indiana uh, during those times. But here were the ones he laid out for Indiana. First off, double trace with active hands and force. It can't just be high hands. you got to put mm-hmm. pressure and active hands all over him. Um, to figure out how to guard the pick and roll. Because you remember Jalen Hood Shafino was doing that yeah, <laughs> nonstop. Yeah. Um, Indiana, uh, it's the three is don't play them at home. So don't play them at, at Bloomington. Yeah. And four, the funny one from Miller Cop is don't let Miller Cop get hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's good. That makes me think he didn't do it from when he, he just was, how would people play us? Yeah, right. I, I think you're right. But that's uh that was some good stuff and yeah, and, and pretty insightful. So I wanted to to share that. Um well I, I don't know what else we have time for. Do we want to save the TV contracts for another week? Where are we at? Or oh, do you we, think we can squeeze it in here in the next few minutes? Well, it's up to you. You're the one that's gotta go. All right, let's do this real quick. So okay, let's take enough. a look at the TV contract. So this is something that actually Tony uh, was able to send in our group message to, to have us all aware of. And, of course, the Pac-12 media rights has been a, a topic of conversation for weeks, if not months at this point, trying to find television partners, and they're having a hard time getting it done. So now there's a 
report floating around, and it was reported by Jim Williams on Twitter, a uh, report floating around that the Pac-12 might want to go direct to consumer with their next package. So I saw the grimace from Sam. Uh, so basically what they would be doing, they'd be cutting out the, the, the middleman. They'd be cutting out cable. And so you would have... I mean, they already have a Pac-12 network, and there had been rumors for a long time that the Pac-12 network might cease to exist. But if this is the play, the Pac-12 network would become your primary hub for production in all of this stuff and dispensing. So you'd be able to go to the Pac-12 network, and you'd be able to find all your different live events. Of course, it would be at a cost, and then figuring out what the, the appropriate cost that would allow customers to still want to be involved with it that would be the next kind of sticking situation in this development if they go this way now there are rumors this is not the first direct to consumer and and direct to consumer if this helps you think in layman's terms uh like disney plus uh netflix like that's direct to consumer it's its own streaming service yada yada um there are rumors that espn's talking about doing this years down the road they're preparing for this. So this wouldn't necessarily be the first story we've ever had on direct to consumer, but it would be the first from a conference standpoint. And keep in mind before we get both Sam and Tony's thoughts here real quick, uh, we're starting to see this in the NBA new Phoenix suns owner, Matt Ishbia has decided with the regional TV, uh, company Bally struggling as it is in, in, uh, going near bankruptcy, I believe was what the report was. Um, they're just going to to make their own service and they're going to be able to s- provide it for fans um, everywhere. So everybody can watch Phoenix Suns games. I believe there are more NBA teams interested in that, maybe even more sports teams in general. So this is becoming a bit more of a thing, but we haven't seen it quite on a conference-wide scale like the Pac-12. Uh, let's get both of your thoughts real quick. We'll start with Sam because you were the one grimacing. Uh, Sam, what do you think about this? Is this a bad idea if the Pac-12 network or Pac-12 is already struggling to find a companion when it comes to the TV rights? Well, let's think about the Big Ten, okay? They just signed a huge deal with, you know, multiple multiple networks to do their their uh, their games over the course of the, what, next seven years or whatever. <laughs> and uh, the, the thing is, is whoever, they get, everybody it's not just the people that are interested in pac 12 or big 12 a big 10 it's everybody gets the big 10 you're gonna have to pay for the pac 12 specifically Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm not gonna pay just to watch the pac 12 i'm not gonna it's not gonna be interesting to me it's not of interest now if there's just a random game on uh one of the networks that carry football basketball whatever i might watch it you know, if Stanford Cal is on, I might watch it because it's on. I'm not going to go search it out because I have no interest in it other, other than it's just football or it's a basketball game. So before Tony jumps in, because I'm kind of with you and at Pac-12 after dark, maybe it's just time for me to start going to bed if that's going to be the case. <laughs> maybe my Saturday should be coming to an end. But I, let, let's flip the roles on it. Let's say the Big Ten was in this position where the Big Ten wanted to do direct to consumer. Is that a package you would pay for? Are you just saying you're out on the Pac-12 if no. they do this because of the quality? Dalton, I don't even pay for the Cubs direct to consumer. Why would I pay for the Big Ten? Like, no. Okay, this, well, I mean, you said it was not of interest. The Big Ten correct. is of interest, it's of but interest, not enough. And it's not enough. I, I have okay. a Cubs tattoo. Like, I have all sorts of Cubs stuff behind me. <clears throat> you don't, I don't have don't a Big pay, Ten tattoo? 
I do well no, but I don't pay not yet. I don't pay for the network that will bring me every single Cubs game though, or most of the Cubs games, just because I don't I, I don't have enough time that I'm gonna not gonna feel like I'm gonna get my money's worth. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to when it comes to the Big Ten, even let's say they did it. I wouldn't pay for it. I would just, I would figure out a way to follow them without actually watching the games. And okay. it just, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, we've talked about this when they were, when you were talking about the, when we were talking about the NFLs taking their game, uh, a couple of their wild card games or one of their wild card games behind the paywall. And Big Ten's I, doing that this year. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And so I just won't watch those games, you know, or like with the Cubs, since I don't, pay for the marquee network i found a different way i pay for the bad app to where i can listen to all the radio calls so i can listen to every cubs game you know so i found a cheaper better way that i can do other things while i'm still consuming what i want to consume and it's just so no it's not worth to me and 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 i think this is i think this is desperate measures by a desperate conference personally i think it's the pac-12 I don't know. It's not that they couldn't get a media deal. I don't think they had much opportunity to get a media deal. No, and, and that's been well documented. I, I think that's a very fair point, and I think that context is important in this. Also hidden in there was a win for radio, which in 2023, that is awesome. Right, right. right. I, here, win for radio. I love radio. Uh, hidden in there. I, I, I like to listen and be able to do other things while I'm listening. You know, I don't like to be, uh, you know, shackled to a television if I don't have to be. And I'd much prefer to, you know, float in my pool or whatever and listen to a game, you know. Um, so, Tony, we, we haven't gotten your thoughts. What do you think of this whole Pac-12 situation of possibly going direct to consumer? I think this is one of those before the Pac-12 meets its end. This is kind of the last ditch, like let's kind of play with something before we go. Because this actually reminds me a lot of the NFL, like Sunday Ticket, how they left Direct TV and they moved to YouTube to try to appeal more to that direct-to-consumer. This is what this kind of reminds me of. Now, to your point, and much to Sam's when he was talking about this doesn't really interest me enough to pay for it, that's what got the Pac-12 in this situation to start with anyway. And, and you yep. can even look at last season when USC and UCLA both were doing extremely well throughout most of the year, and they weren't filling up their own stadiums. It's like, to me, by the looks of it, and I'm not saying it for every you know every team on the West Coast in the Pac, it doesn't seem as if that part of the country cares as much for college football as deeply as the Midwest and even to the East Coast. So, that's, and that's that's played out through numbers. Like you're a hundred percent right. That's statistically accurate. Well, yeah. like, take a look at LA Dodger games. If you're watching the first three innings, the stands are empty, and then all of a sudden they fill up. It's because people show up late. Well, and think about even even a couple of years ago when the Rams won the Super Bowl and they had that parade. That was a sad parade. <laughs> like you you could go to anywhere else. You know, look at Tampa when Tampa had theirs. You know, look at um look at even Kansas City. They had a big parade. Like it, like to me, it looks like the West Coast just it doesn't matter as much for these homegrown teams unless you're the Lakers. Then you're then you're die hard, and even then, it's like okay, well, if they're not winning, we don't really care as much. So this to me is kind of that last nail in the coffin for the pack before they before they go away because they're and I know you guys both read the report, but for people who don't know, this is probably a telltale sign that. 
it might not be this year, but next year we probably see Colorado potentially back in the Big 12. And we I think Arizona the, goes with them. Arizona, probably <clears throat> Arizona State, and honestly, even Utah will probably join into the Big 12. And then we may even see a Big 10 expansion with Washington and Oregon potentially coming in the Big Ten because we've talked about that. They've already been vetted. They've already been approved. They The Big Ten just said, yes, just wait a second. Let's see how things kind of play out first before we before we bring y'all into the circle. Which Real brings up a great question. Uh, sorry, Sam, and I know we'll right. get to your point, but it, it brings up a great point, though, because if members of the Pac-12 flee and Pac-12 dissolves, and there are plenty of rumors that ACC schools are currently pounding the pavement to kind of see what kind of outlets there are, are we looking at maybe three big conferences with the Big 12, Big 10, SEC? Does it kind of get away from that, too? Because the Big 10 and SEC would be, I, I would believe, more superior in football. And maybe that's not completely fair to say, but because TCU just got into the college football playoff. But that, that could be a conversation for another day. Your point real quick, Sam? housed by an SEC team. Uh, <clears throat> yes, badly. Uh, well, my, my, my point was going to be a funny one that probably that only you and on the show would get, and then maybe about six people otherwise. Tony saying that the, uh, the Rams uh, Super Bowl parade was pathetic i was gonna say is it kind of like the dekalb county free fall fair pet parade at three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> <laughs> see he knew exactly right. it is I... an inside joke but yes that uh that, in, that really rings in, out in, in in to give you some some perspective tony there's about 16 people watching the pet parade and that's that's what it is. That's the extent of the parade. <laughs> that's 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 a pretty good comparison. We're gonna have to use that later on. You like that? But uh, <laughs> all right, so that's gonna do it for another edition of Big Talk. Uh, glad so much that everybody was able to join us for this finally. week's episode. As we have, we finally got back to to a little bit of normal. We had the the three man crew. It's been great. Um, but on the way out the door, Sam, Tony, you guys, do your thing. Let everybody know where they can find us. Tony, do you have it or do you need me to? Oh, I can. Oh, I, can I actually it. got oh. it. Oh, it actually Ooh. responded to me. Wow. <laughs> Look Go at ahead, you. Tony. So you can find us on the TikToks, the Instagrams, and the Twitters at Big Talk. That is B1G underscore talk. You can also find us on Facebook at Big Talk at B1G Talk. Remember, you can't put an I in there. Otherwise, you're going to get some other weird stuff that's not us. And I don't know if there's good or not. So I'm not going to throw any shade. Don't click don't throw any slander. Big talk. Don't click okay. the all big talk. That's not us. That's not us. That's no. not us. not nearly as good of a logo. Not nearly as cool. Nothing like that. <laughs> We're better. Exactly. Even though it's probably backed by the big. Ten. Hey, hey, we don't know that. We don't, don't know, know that. that. You're, you're absolutely right. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, you can also find us uh, every week on the ASAP network as well, at least for the current moment. Hopefully next month we'll start getting back to two week. Uh, yeah, two week, two episode weekly yeah, shows every, every three weeks, every every three. Oh, we getting longer. Um, but for everybody that doesn't know, and obviously for us, we're excited because gents, we are in the last month without college football. That's right. Next month it comes back. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready for basketball season. To tell you the truth, hey, oh, I'm yeah. kind of there too. <laughs> we definitely are. We definitely are. And if oh. you if you don't if you don't catch our stream uh, on ASAP, you can find us uh, our uh, video stream on Spotify as well. So, and then you can listen to the uh, audio version, which sometimes is a little bit better because you don't see us um, uh, anywhere you find podcasts. 
Awesome. Well, uh, hopefully you all check us back out. Make sure you keep joining us weekly for these episodes of Big Talk. But for this edition, uh, big thanks to all of you for tuning in and joining us. Sam Sprunger all the way to your right. Tony Hollinsworth in the middle of your screen. I'm Dalton Shetler. So long, everybody. See ya. Bye.